say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, and welcome to Castle Talk, where we talk to writers and creators of today's genre worlds. I'm your host, Jason Henderson, publisher at Castle Bridge Media and author of the new book, The Serpent's Nest, Young Captain Nemo, due out this March from Macmillan Books. Tonight, we're chatting with Rio, yours, author of the new book, Lola on Fire, which releases February 16th from William Morrow. People have called it a mix of Killing Eve, John Wick, and Kill Bill. I have not Making it up, people are saying that, and actually, that that's pretty close to the truth. Rio, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, this is great. So th- this is actually uh, the week that this that this comes out. Um, and uh, but the funny thing is, the book's coming out this week as we're recording. But you've gotten mm-hmm. so many good reviews in advance. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of like I said, I, I quoted that one that, that said that it was it was like Killing Eve. But you know, Joe Hill said wonderful things about it. You've uh, so uh, it must feel good to already have all all of these all of these great responses to the book before it's even up. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much emotion and so much uh, you know time and dedication, blood, sweat, tears, every everything you can imagine that goes into to writing a book and you know even you know, finishing it and then. You, and when you finish the book, when you write the end, that's really just the beginning because you've got to go right through again. You know this. Yeah. You were a writer. And, you know, then, then the editors take hold of it. It's just, it's a process. And by the end of that process, you're pretty much done with the book. Like you don't even want to look, look yeah. at it. You don't want to read it. It's a, it's, it's a process. So when you, when you get to this point where you have, you know, established writers, peers, uh, reviewers, Instagram influences, good Goodreads reviewers, and they're all coming out and saying pretty much the same thing, you know, that this book is great. And, and, and the, you know, they're saying all of the things that you wanted to hit while you were writing right. the book. It makes that entire process and all of the blood, sweat and tears entirely worthwhile. So it's a, it's a huge sigh of relief and uh, obviously massively grateful to anybody who's read the book so far and, and especially grateful if they've had nice things to say. So the funny thing is, um, and I want to come back actually to that process 
um, shortly, but just to give people an idea of what this is, uh, somebody out there compared it actually to um, The Long Kiss Goodnight, which is actually the piece that I was most reminded of. But the funny thing is, everybody's talking about movies, right? They're talking about all of these these recognizable brands. What, what, this, yeah. what this book essentially is about is, how best to put it, a couple of people are on the run from the mob and the reason why has a lot to do with drawing out of hiding a a well-known connected assassin and having her face off against a formidable enemy and i'm wondering if uh first of all if you had any of those models like the long kiss goodnight or 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 kill bill in mind as you were writing it um Yes, and I mean, I, I've never seen The Long Kiss Goodnight, and I've never seen one episode of Killing Eve, Eve either. So, huh. uh, yeah, Joe uh, Hill was, was the one who came up with the, the Killing Eve comparison. Mm. And I'm, and then I immediately went to look it up because I thought, oh, my God, what if it's so close, you know? And unfortunately, yeah. it isn't so close. So <laughs> that's always a, a sigh of relief. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I you know, this, this, the idea for this came from two separate ideas that I managed to slam together and, and they fit, you know, quite nicely. Yeah. Um, and, and one of those ideas was, was the assassin, this female assassin. Yes. And then the other, the other idea was uh, the, the, the couple on the run, the brother and sister team. And yeah. so they were two separate components to begin with. And then I saw a way they could work together. And, but you know, as for like my influences and what I was drawing on, certainly, um, uh, you know, I love those one person army movies and always have, you know, ever sure. since I was a kid watching like Bruce Lee kick ass and enter the dragon and yeah. watching uh, Rambo do his thing, you know, it's just completely improbable off the wall action. There's, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no sense behind it. It's completely tongue in cheek fun. Yeah. And, and that's been revised recently. Recently, and it's come back into, I guess, sort of movie fashion, if you want, with with the advent of the Kill Bill movies. Sure. Um, uh, Kill Bill to begin with, and certainly John Wick more recently, where we where we've seen these lone assassins go at it against you know roomfuls of people. And but I'm in the world certainly- of novels. I would say Reacher has been. I, I don't know if you if you've if you've buried yourself in those at all, but but you know this. If you dig Reacher, you will probably dig this book. Uh, the, yeah, the, I mean, the kind I of action love, is very similar. Yeah, I love those novels, and I and I love. Uh, I, I remember an interview that Lee Child gave once where he said a part of the you know his reason for for writing those Jack Reacher books was that sort of visceral rush he got from being able to step into Reacher's yeah. shoes and feel like a total badass because, you know, he's not a badass. You know, the, the author Lee Child isn't a badass in real life, just like right. I'm not a badass. And so that was a thrill too. And and so the idea of, of um, taking something that traditionally works well in movies and then also coupling it with the sort of visceral rush of being able to step into this this badass character's boots that was that was i there's no way i could resist that i wanted to give that a shot and and you know like i said with these two ideas coming to get coming together i saw a way i could make it work do you feel like um you know the funny thing is that to me one of the most important pieces to a suspense thriller like this is verisimilitude you don't have to actually since since i'm not a badass right so i don't necessarily know how different weapons operate I don't have to actually, all I have to do is believe you, basically, is right. what it comes down to. It just has to feel like you know what you're talking about for me to enjoy it. And that's verisimilitude. It just has to, you know, it has to feel like the truth, whether it is or not. 
So I'm curious, like, did you follow the Stephen King route of don't ever look things up, just sound authoritative? Or did you bury yourself in discussions of like tactics and weapons or, or how did you prepare for this? Yeah, it was certainly more, more of the latter. Um, hmm. Because Lola is a, you know, she's this absolute badass. She knows her way around, you know, weaponry and she's, you know, um, proficient in multiple forms of martial arts. Right. So, you know, if she was going to walk the walk, I figured I at least should talk the talk, right? Right. And, um, so, but that, that you know, like there's a great thriller writer called David Morrell, who's actually the, the author of the... The Rambo, first, yeah. Yeah, First Blood. And... And that guy like learned to fly a plane because you know researching <laughs> a book, and now he's like a he's the pilot, and um, and then he went off. He's gone off to shooting ranges, and he's become this sort of proficient marksperson. Yeah. And um, you know because he really wanted to to know his way around every aspect of what he was writing about. Mm. And I personally, I you know that dedication, I admire it, but I didn't do that. You know, I I read a bunch of books. I did a lot of searching online. I watched a lot of uh, videos um, sure. and, uh, and and there is an element of like stitching the pieces together and using your own imagination and a little bit of poetic license. Sure. And I think I got it to the point where it sounds convincing without being overbearing. It's a right. fine balance, you know, and I did take out some of the some of the gun stuff in later drafts because a lot of that stuff, when you get it down early, it's so that you as the writer can understand it, but the reader mm. doesn't necessarily need to know all of that stuff. And yeah. so I took out, um, I have a, a writer friend, uh, Chris Golden, Christopher Golden, who's a well-known yeah. novelist. Um, and he read, I think maybe the first or the second draft. And he said, you know what, Rio, you could probably lose some of the gun porn. Uh -huh. and, uh, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and one, I like that expression. And two, I thought, you know, he's probably right. So I went in and, and just kind of sort of, you know, filed it back a little bit. And, and I think it works. It works much better. But yeah, definitely more of more of the latter, just uh, wanting it to sound convincing, but at the same time, not not too overpowering to the reader. You, you don't want it to sound researched, you know, you want it to sound yeah. natural. Like, this is the way people talk. It's the way this character would act in this situation. I, I am, hopefully I pulled it off, yeah. Well, one, you know, what strikes me is you were talking there about um, changes that a draft goes through. So first of all, um, you know, this thing is intricately plotted. You, you, you move backwards and forwards in time. And also there's a lot of people moving around on this chessboard uh, as, you know, various parties are sort of plotting revenge against one another. Uh, how carefully do you plot a book like this? Or do you just have a general sense and, and just write? Yeah, yeah, I don't really plot at all when I'm writing. Mm. I know that sounds crazy. I know it does, but um, I... Not, not at all. A lot of people would say that, but, but uh, I guess, yeah, it's half no, and I, half. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to think too much about it because uh, I, I like the journey. And, and I, of course, I have an idea of where I want the book to go. And mm. if you and I were in a bar right now, I know you've read the book. I tell you, you know, about how I got to the end and and, and how the ending in my head was completely different to how it turned out. Because the ending I want, yeah, I, the ending I wanted for the book when I got there, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. So wow. I had to think of something else. So it was, yeah. So it, it is. It's mostly seated the pants, but because this novel is obviously quite intricate, quite involved, um, the the rewrites were quite extensive. On my part before i sent it off to my agent yeah and then onto the, the 
the editors. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was that was when when I knew where the book was going, I was able to to make it look more seamless. But the first the first draft was kind of feeling my way through and seeing how I could make make it work. There were a couple of set pieces I had, mm-hmm. and again, I, I can't say because I don't want to give any spoilers away. But there are a couple sure. of set pieces I had that were very cinematic, and I definitely wanted them in the book. And and you you don't want to you. Know, like holes. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But yeah. uh, I, I, I definitely wanted to try and get these these scenes in, and, and and fortunately, I was able to get them in, and it worked out great. Do you uh, you actually have a section in the back where you're discussing, you know, your your early readers? So this is well before you even send the book off to an editor. You've got people reading a version and saying, you know, I think this bit works better than 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 this other bit. And so how much actual rewriting, I I guess what I'm trying to ask is how different is the final version that your editor sort of finally approves? How different is that from your first draft of the book? Uh, In this case, there was, there there was quite a lot of work to do in part based on, you know, what what I just said in my previous answer about Mm -hmm. having to go back and tie up all of the, uh, all of the loose ends and, and make, make the pieces fit. Um, and and also because you know I have some excellent beta readers and I'm very grateful to them and mm. they tell you the parts of the book that work that don't work and, and like I said when you just because I've written the end on a book that's really not the end at all it just means okay I found an ending to this book and and I've managed to uh, to write you know 140 thousand words here or whatever but there's still a lot of work to do mm. and uh, and so it it was at that it's at that point that I kind of opened my mind and I opened myself to my beta readers and I'm prepared to let the book uh, be whatever it, it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't get too attached to it at that point. Um, although I'm, although I'm, it's still a very personal thing. And, and obviously if someone were to, you know, tell me the book was completely, you know, uh, terrible, I would be, I would be offended and <laughs> I'd go yeah. into a tailspin and be depressed for a week. Um, so to answer your question in this, on, on this occasion, it was actually quite a bit different, but you know, still recognizable. There were there were part, and again, I can't give away too much. It's such a weird book to talk about because so much happens that you in this book. Yeah, there are <laughs> secrets that you don't want to reveal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there there were certain parts of the book that I that I that I had to introduce earlier in the first draft they were much later in the book and i had to bring them forward a bit mm-hmm. um and that was uh this through suggestions something i was sort of half toying with but then when a couple of beta readers suggested it and then when i record said to my editor oh, this is what this is what this beta reader says she said yeah i think that would that would work great and so mm-hmm. it was a lot of uh, moving around and um normally the 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 final version isn't wildly different from from the original version, but on this on this occasion, there's enough enough differences that I think if a, one of my beta readers was to read it again now, they would recognize it as a fuller and much much better book. Interesting. So, do you feel like uh, uh, like there's going to be more in this series? I mean, do you, first of all, I know it's not a series right now, but is it a series? Do you think you're going to do do more? I would I would love to write more in, in this universe. I really would. Um, and uh, I, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. I guess it's right. going to depend on on sales. It's going to depend on how popular the characters become. Yeah. Um, and but I, I ha- let me put it this way: I have ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the next book isn't isn't um, a, a Lola book, and book three, uh, which I've sketched out, 
are very roughly sketched out is in the Lola book either, but that doesn't mean to say uh, that there that won't be one down the road. And when I say Lola book, I don't necessarily mean that Lola will be in it. I just, I'm talking about the universe. The, the universe, right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, because the, there's a lot of characters and there's a lot of, uh, definitely a lot of possibility to move off in different directions, spin-offs and such. And I had so much fun writing this book. It was it was like being the director of a, of a big budget Hollywood action movie and and- right. It was so much, so much fun to write. I would love to jump back in. But I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Fantastic. Uh, well, awesome. Okay, so what, what you said you said the next thing that you're working on is not one of these at all. When you're working on a book, because I ask every writer this, when you're working on a book, um, like what's your process? Do you force yourself to try to do like a certain number of words per week? Or or how, how do you get the work done? I I don't force myself to I don't have a word count a daily word count a target anything like that but what I do is I make sure I write every day mm. including Sundays and whether I get 200 words done or 2000 words done I never get 2000 words done I mean I'm <laughs> essentially I, I am a slow writer you know like honestly seven eight hundred words is a very good day for me but when you mm. write every day in the course of six months you get a lot done, you know, you've, yeah. got a, you've got a good sized novel in six months if you write every day. So yeah. that's what I do. Um, I'm more of a morning person. Um, so I get up when I'm in the in the throes of a novel. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes. Um, uh, I get up usually 530, 6am, make coffee and then sit at the uh, at the computer and I'll go to work. Uh, in the summer, I'll take my laptop and I'll drive to um, uh, parking lot in the middle of nowhere and i'll sit with the laptop on my lap away from all distractions really? away from away from the internet yeah i don't you know like so sort of seven thirty, eight o'clock the kids get up and they're getting ready for school and it's it's loud upstairs and there's you know so it's and then there's the internet and then they, i got my guitar right next to me where at my desk so i'm picking sure. it up and plucking and it's just too many too many distractions right and also at 11 o'clock about by about 11 a.m my brain shuts off it doesn't want to work anymore. So I, yeah, got this, yeah. I got this relatively small window to get the work done. So that's why I take off and I'm like, okay, I'm gone. Wow. Um, so that's really and, interesting. So that's getting up early. And I've heard from other writers who say that, oh yeah, I get up, I get up early in the morning. I do it before I get my day started. A lot of people work a day job. So I get it up. I get up and I write in the morning before I have to get ready for work and, and so forth. So that's really, and there are others who would say, no, I could never do that. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I know. And I know writers who, who can only write at night, you know, when everybody else right. has gone to bed, they fire up the, the computer and they burn the midnight oil. And yeah. I would love to be it because that's the quietest time. You're kind yeah. of like, yeah, there's just no way. Like, honest to God, my brain is soup by, like, it's done at 11, but it's soup by, like, 3 p.m. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm with like, you. I'm, I'm just walking around like a zombie. <laughs> yeah, there there like, are times. Instance, if, oh, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Bro. I was going to say, for instance, if we'd had this interview tomorrow morning, I'd actually be sounding quite eloquent right now. <laughs> I, th I think your eloquence is not in question. You, You're doing just you've you're got, doing this fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, my friend. You're very kind. Yeah, you got zombie Rio right now. This is this is the verge of me slumbering into some kind of a zombie-like stupor. But um, yeah, so, yeah, so I, I, I'm definitely better earlier on in the day. <laughs> I can absolutely identify with that. That sometimes, you know, you're you're you, you can actually feel yourself losing your capacity to choose words you know as yeah, as you get more tired and you go how in god's name you know and so you have to if you're a writer you have to find the right time to be able to you know to 
to, to get your work done and, and choose and choose those words. Uh, okay, so the book honestly is a gritty, action-oriented, very I, like like I say, if people are 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 into this sort of thing, if you like Reacher novels, if you like you know very fast-paced thrillers, um, it is that. But I mean, it's it's grim. I I, I don't want to make it sound cartoonish because it's not at all. It's uh, I, I really enjoyed this and, and thought that it was it was very well done. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so Lola on fire comes out the 16th of February from William Morrow. I am am so appreciative that you would spend time talking about it, and uh, and I hope that people give it a shot. And I wish you all the best of luck with it. Thank you very very much. Thank you so much, Jason. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 